T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. We think Dallas could emerge from this actually a stronger city in the long run, although we are going to experience some pain in the meantime. We need to get started, and I hope that's the first week of May. If everyone were to rush the doors and go back into the job market overnight, we would see an outbreak of COVID-19 again. We've moved around 450 people from other departments into unemployment insurance services. We can hope the bug goes away tomorrow or very, very soon. But even if it does, it's going to take time to rebuild. The impact the coronavirus has had in North Texas has been sweeping, multifaceted. I mean, not only have we lost lives due to COVID-19, we have lost jobs. And that is what we are talking about this week here on KRLD In-Depth. Welcome in. I'm John Little. In the past three weeks, an estimated 750,000 Texans have filed unemployment claims. Yeah, that's right. Three-quarters of a million people. And the Texas Workforce Commission is still getting overwhelmed with calls and visits to their website. It is no wonder that people are wondering, as the curve hopefully is starting to flatten, what can we do to get the economy on the comeback trail? At a GOP town hall meeting, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said he hopes that businesses can reopen by mid-May. Patrick pointing out while the outbreak has been bad in Texas, it has been worse elsewhere. New York won't be ready to do that. But, you know, when we had a big hurricane here in Texas, we didn't ask New York to shut down. They have a crisis in New York, but we shouldn't have to shut down. We should be able to go when we can go at a measured pace. Patrick said any reopenings would come slowly. Now, Governor Greg Abbott was pressed about thinking in terms of reopening the economy, and he's giving it some thought on what it would take. The way that this all works is is we all have a desire uh, to get things going as quickly as possible. But we also have a desire uh, to make sure that it's done uh, in ways that are safe. Understanding if if everyone were to rush the doors and go back into the job market overnight, we would see an outbreak of COVID-19 again. And and that's exactly why uh, I'm issuing the executive order establishing uh, what the statewide standards will be uh, in the coming days about uh, what the approach is. And and these are standards, again, that we've been working in conjunction uh, with uh, the White House on. Uh, to make sure that, that we're following uh, the suggestions and ideas of the CDC, uh, as well as Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, as well as uh, the president himself and, and the vice president himself, as well as the economic advisors, uh, Mnuchin, uh, and others, and, and then also in consultation with Dr. Hellerstep. Understand that we all want Texans to go back to work as quickly as possible, and we will do so. Texas has always led economically. We will lead economically uh, in response to the aftermath of COVID-19. 
but we will understand that we will do so in ways that protect lives and promote the livelihoods of our fellow Texans. But as we've heard, and we keep telling ourselves by the day over and over, this is going to pass. This is going to pass. It is going to get better. So how's it going to get better? Well, the first Texas city to put plans in place for a task force specifically for economic recovery was the city of Dallas. Mayor Eric Johnson has a plan, and he's got a man to head that plan, too. KRLD's David Rankin had a one-on-one with Mayor Johnson. You have to plan a task force like this for something that may not happen for a couple of months. What's the planning like to put a task force together like this, and how long has this been in the planning stages? Well, I've been thinking about this since the day we first took our first uh, emergency action that was going to affect the economy. So, you know, this started off with canceling a St. Patrick's Day parade, right? And then it progressed to shutting down bars and restaurants. Um, and then, uh, obviously, we eventually got to stay at home. But, you know, when we first started doing these things, I knew that the impact on our economy was going to be significant. No one knows how significant, but it's pretty clear it's going to be, um, you know, at least on par with what we went through in 2008 with that recession, uh, probably more uh, impactful than that, 9-11, or anything we can remember in recent history. So uh, it became clear to me then that while we had to, uh, on one hand, deal with the, the pandemic itself and the public health aspects of this, that we need to start planning for the economic recovery. And my goal is not just to have Dallas recover. It's to have Dallas recover quickly and lead the nation in the recovery. I, I want us to come back um, stronger than ever, and I want us to be uh, one of the first, if not the first, city in the United States to come back from this. And so I'm working on this now. How did you pick Richard Fisher to head up this task force? Well, I think um, this this type of a problem um, – something of this magnitude, something of this complexity, you don't mess around. You don't um, make a political choice. Um, you don't put someone in the position um, you know, who, for whom this is their first rodeo. Um, you put someone in who's experienced. You put someone there um, who is a good communicator, someone who's got a, a good diversity of experience, who understands um, the economy, who understands um, our local economy in particular. And I can't think of anyone better than Richard Fisher. I mean, the man, if you know him, uh, he's brilliant. Uh, he's a great communicator. He's got the respect of the private sector. He's got the respect of the public sector. Um, he, he knows how to um, look at the big picture and keep the big picture in mind. And he can bring people to the table uh, who have, because of who he is and because of the respect people hold him in, we will get the best of the best. Uh, on this task force to help us out. And that's what had to happen. I was willing um, to do whatever it took to get someone of his caliber to take this on because we are going to need um, everyone. And we're going to need very, very um, hardworking and talented people working on this problem. And Richard fits that bill. Will the task force have some independence that they don't necessarily have to go to get permission from the Dallas City Council for everything that they want to implement? That's correct. The, the task force is not um, limited to looking at issues um, of city government. That's the, the reason why I formed it. It's separate and apart from the two committees that I formed of the Dallas City Council, which are um, chaired by council members Casey Thomas and Deputy Mayor Pro Tem Adam Magoo. Those committees are focused on city government and city responses um, to COVID, um, both uh, from a human standpoint and from a business standpoint. But they are focused on the city. 
this task force that Mr. Fisher is going to be heading up is bigger than that in its scope. It has to take every factor into consideration uh, in terms of crafting a, a plan for our city's recovery, and it has to look at the entire economy in every sector. I mean, we have to look at our small businesses, our financial institutions, our major corporations, the service industry, our nonprofits, the medical community, our transportation and infrastructure entities. We have to look at our educational institutions. I mean, the list is long, it's complex, and uh, I think Mr. Fisher is uniquely qualified to bring all of those voices um, together in a symphony that he's going to help us conduct and bring about a, a quick recovery for our city, as quick as possible, I should say. And again, that's the operative word, quick, because you've got you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people all over the Metroplex that are staying at home, trying to socially distance, trying to work from home in a lot of cases, and they're itchy, they're antsy to get out and get back to normal. This task force um, is probably going to get a lot of pressure from the public to make things quick. How quick is realistic? Well, you know, it's it's impossible to even know when we're going to be through what I'd consider to be the you know, the the eye of the storm from a health standpoint. So it's impossible to say even when we'll be able to start um, putting people back to work because we don't know how long these stay-at-home orders are going to need to be in place. We're going to have to follow the guidance of our public health experts on that. But know this, the planning starts now. The planning, I've been thinking about this for a while. I've been working on COVID-related issues since late February, and I've found my man in Richard Fisher, and I think he uh, is going to very quickly start putting together the task force in terms of who's going to serve on it, and uh, they are going to begin the process of of developing uh, the strategies to get our economy not just back where it was before, but better than it was before. I want the people of Dallas to know that my goal is to make Dallas come out of this, however long it takes, a better city than it was before we went into it. As hard as that could be for some people to believe, we are going to try to bring back every business we possibly can that we had before, and even new ones. We're going to continue to push for new um, business, for corporations to relocate here. We think Dallas could emerge from this actually um, a stronger city in the long run, although we are going to experience some pain in the meantime. Are you hearing from mayors of other cities about this particular task force and how they might be able to join in or form their own task forces? I have heard from a few mayors within the past few days. Um, obviously, I just announced um, Richard Fisher's appointment today, so I haven't heard from any about that just yet. But I've, I have re- heard from some mayors recently saying, um, you know, Mayor Johnson, when, what are you thinking Dallas is going to do to try to um, you know, make sure its economy opens up? We're trying to figure that out here. What's the approach? What are, we, you know, what are our strategies going to be to turn our economies back on? My approach is the way I've approached every problem, really, throughout my public service career. Put the very best people you can on the job, irrespective of any other consideration. We don't do the political deal. We don't do the partisan deal. This is about Dallas, and we're going to get the very best folks in a room, and we're going to come up with a solution to put our city back to work. From your time in Austin, you obviously know the governor and have worked with the governor as your, with your time in state government. Have you heard from Governor Abbott about this task force, and, and has, he, has he made any comments? 
Um, he's not made any comments yet, but we have, of course, communicated to the governor's office that we are um, working on this and that the task force has been formed and that Richard Fisher is going to be chairing it. Um, we've definitely let him know that, and uh, we look forward to hearing from him. Um, from what I know of the governor, um, the governor is very, very uh, committed to Dallas's success. He's been here several times within the, the time I've been mayor, and he has always um, made it very clear that he believes that Dallas is the engine of North Texas and that Dallas is part of the reason for the Texas miracle, and that I think he will be very supportive of, of any efforts that we come up with up here to get our economy turned back on. How are you doing personally? This is, you know, professionally and, and dealing with the entire city. How are you and your family doing? I would like to say that, you know, this is not a uh, challenge that I ever anticipated I'd be dealing with as mayor, but uh, I feel like I was built for this. I was born for public service, and this is what I have dedicated my life to doing, and it's an honor to be in this position to try to help my city through this very challenging time. Well, we're all going through this in our own ways. That's Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson and how he is dealing with it. Of course, Mayor Johnson and his wife, Nikki, they are fortunate to have those jobs because the number of Texans that are losing their jobs during this crisis has been staggering. So we got an update this week from the Texas Workforce Commission. They have been knocked around with the volume of calls, just millions of them flooding into their phone lines and the hits to their website as well as out-of-work Texans try to get their unemployment benefits. I chatted with Cisco Gamez from the TWC about their latest work to more efficiently get Texans these resources. Certainly. We are, we are making changes to help Texans in need, and some of those changes uh, Texans are going to see uh, happening right away. For for instance, when we first started uh, taking applications uh, for unemployment insurance when COVID-19 started, uh, we were working on five servers. Um, we multiplied that to 10, uh, working with the Department of Information Resources. And as of last night at 2 a.m., we actually added another 10 servers uh, to uh, handle the volume. So we're at 20 servers um, so that should help some of the volume of people applying online uh, and also requesting payment as well. So um, you should see a difference. Uh, people should start to see a difference. Uh, in addition, our call centers taking many calls coming in prior to COVID-19, we would a- average about 13,000 calls a day. Uh, the record number was 60,000 in a day, and we have seen calls coming in as much as uh, 3 million in a single day. To put things in perspective, that's not the number of people filing, but the number of calls coming through. To handle that volume, we are uh, we have four call centers uh, at the Texas Workforce Commission throughout the state of Texas. We, this week, brought on an additional two third-party vendor call centers to help with some of those calls, and we're working on a third as well that may go online next week. Uh, we've moved around 450 people from other departments into unemployment insurance services um, and uh, we emergency hired about around 100, 100 staff to, uh, to work, help work our call centers as well. And we're continuing to hire. So if anyone is interested, uh, they can find those uh, job postings at workintexas.com. Uh, in addition to our jobs, there are about 500,000 additional jobs on that website uh, available in Texas for other companies. And it really was just a case of, uh, you know, overnight, uh, you guys started getting slammed with this. And there's documentation that uh, about three quarters of a million Texans have now filed claims just in the last three weeks, which is just uh, a huge 
surge. How are people at the Texas Workforce Commission doing right now? How tough is it for the for the people that are working there right now? So it's certainly all hands on deck. We're not working the normal nine to five hours. It's, it's um, We're working extended hours. We're working into the weekend. Uh, in fact, our call centers will now be answering calls from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And starting Monday, they're going to be available seven days a week. Uh, when this all started, it was we were taking calls Monday through Friday. Uh, now And then we added a Saturday. And now uh, starting Monday, we're going to be going seven days a week. Certainly uh, a lot of call volume, but we are working to uh, help all those Texans in need. Well, you can understand why those calls might overload a system that's normally 8 to 5 or 9 to 5. So uh, that's that's definitely a good development for Texans that you're opening up those hours seven days a week and then uh, also the, the 7 to 7 call center hours. Uh, tell us about the latest developments on the, the website. Uh, there is basically a chat bot that you guys have added to the website. How has that started to help people who need to make claims? That certainly it's a uh, it's a tool that we're now using. Um, it's available twenty four seven, available to answer questions about unemployment and insurance, unemployment benefits. I think since it started, uh, it's helped over one hundred seventy five thousand Texans, and it's answered over four hundred fifty thousand questions. Right now, it can help twenty thousand users per second. Pretty cool little tool. Has it been easier for people to get through here um, over the last week or so? It, it has, um, you know, the, the call volume and telling people when to call or when to go to the website, has that helped ease things at all? So with all the changes, we are seeing a, a drop in the number of missed calls. Um, that said, we are continuing to work to help Texans in need. And I, I would like to say that, that for anyone who was still having trouble getting through, uh, either online or over the phone, something to keep in mind is that your unemployment benefits, they're not going to, you're not just going to get them from the date that you apply. We are going to backdate those uh, as far back as to March 8th. So we're looking at the date that you stop working, the date your hours were reduced, the date you might have been laid off, rather than the day that you uh, are applying or get through. Mm. So um, just to, to help with that. Well, that is great information. From the time that you do actually get through or complete that application, what is the average amount of time that it would take if you're eligible for money to arrive in your mailbox? Or I know you guys do direct deposit as well, if that's a possibility. Yeah. So um, on average, it takes about 21 days to receive benefits. So for some people, uh, they may see that a little bit faster. For others, it may take a little bit longer. It varies on a case-by-case basis, but on average, about 21 days for either direct deposit or a debit card in the mail. I'm sure this changes all the time, but besides the number of uh, jobs that the Texas Workforce Commission has uh, that you're hiring, especially in your call centers, uh, you do have a resource on your website for other organizations across Texas who are hiring if people have lost a job, correct? That's correct. Uh, as of this morning, there are over 500,000 jobs available on workintexas.com. So if you're interested in looking for work, um, those jobs are posted and um, you can see if there's something in your region. That's Cisco Gamez with the Texas Workforce Commission. Again, I think the most important part of that interview was knowing that no matter when you actually get through to the TWC, your benefits will start backdated from when you lost your job. So that is one positive thing 
But at the same time, if you can't get through, you can't start that three-week window, right, of being able to get those benefits, that 21-day average of being able to get your benefits after you get through or after you complete your application online. So it is a race against time for sure. We appreciate Cisco joining us. And hopefully we are getting close to the peak, not only of the virus, but the big job loss as well and the economic hardship because of COVID-19. And this recovery, it's going to be a long deal, but we will be here for you every single step of the way, covering it on 1080 KRLD. Thank you so much for listening to KRLD In-Depth. I'm John Little. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including our radio.com app, and listen to us every day for breaking news on coronavirus, plus your traffic and weather. Take care. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.